Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Duke Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find links to the audio-only stream, the... Uh, podcast available on CastBox, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And finally, also links to our social media sites where we simulcast the radio show every morning on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Finally, also broadcasting live around the state of Alaska on regular old plain terrestrial radio, which is always free, on your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Thursday. How did we get here so fast? I mean, like, woof, man. How did we get here so fast? It's astonishing how fast the week gets and how, I mean, it's just woof, just out right there, right there, isn't it? Uh, Welcome to Thursday, and thanks for coming on the program today. Uh, I appreciate it. We've got uh, some things to talk about here, including the latest from the uh, Alaska Senate. The Senate has now produced its version of the uh, of the state budget, and um, well, I guess you could say one thing about them: they're consistent. Uh, they have uh, they have done exactly what they said they were going to do, which was basically sacrifice the PFD uh, to pay for all the various things that they want to do. Uh, and not allow any drawing from savings because all of a sudden they've all found their conscience and couldn't possibly uh, draw any money from savings to pay for state government like they've been doing for the last 10 years. They just couldn't do that. Uh, Couldn't find it in their conscience because they have the moral high ground. I've got the high ground, Anakin. You can't stop me. Um, anyway, it's, uh, it's interesting. We'll have a discussion on it. We'll find out more about that. Also, uh, we're talking about the new bill for parental rights. There's some changes to it. Uh, some interesting, um, some interesting rewrites and we'll discuss that as well. Senator Murkowski has introduced a bill to mandate a code of conduct for the Supreme Court, uh, along with, uh, August King who is an independent from Maine, Angus King, not August, sorry, Angus King, uh, an independent from Maine. Uh, we can discuss that. And the Matsu, the Matsu School District uh, is committee, uh, now has a library and a review committee for all the books. And uh, it's starting to make some, starting to make some wave with, waves with some people. <clears throat> and I love all the different, uh, I love all the different talking points on uh, on this kind of stuff. It's uh, it's kind of interesting to me to see exactly what um, exactly what certain groups of people are excited about for their kids, and yet at the same time, uh, you know, allowing them to make decisions on things that uh, 
uh, and yet not allowing them to make decisions on other things. Um, and I think that's an interesting discussion, which I would love to have with you today as well. So we're going to talk about all those things here in hour one. In hour two, we will be joined by State Representative Sarah Vance, who is uh, coming on board to talk with us about, um, well, the last the last 20, 22, 21 days of the session. What are we at? 23 20 days, 20 days of the session. Um, and so we'll talk with her about that also <clears throat> about the latest, um, the latest, uh, bill, which is headed to her, headed over to her, uh, committee and we'll, uh, we'll see what, we'll see what comes of that. We'll see what comes of that as we continue ahead and, uh, discuss things with her. So we'll be spending hour two with her. Tomorrow on the program, it is Firearms Friday, and we'll be joined by J.D. Tuchilli uh, from Reason Magazine. He's got an article up that he wrote this last week uh, discussing uh, uh, several ways that if you really wanted to reduce violence uh, with firearms, he's got some solutions for you and uh, some of the national stuff that... uh, that implies uh, we also uh, I believe we're going to hear from Donna Anthony, who's got a first responder uh, church security class that she's going to be teaching, uh, telling uh, folks how to be able to hold security at their own church and prevent active shooters. And then uh, we will finish up with none other than Willie Waffle from WaffleMovies.com. So it should be a fun and fabulous uh, Firearms Friday tomorrow, TGIFF, right? That's what we're that's what we're looking for. Uh, all right, <clears throat> so let's. Um, um, I've got I, we got stuff to talk about. We got stuff to talk about. First and foremost, I guess we need to uh, dive into this thing and talk a little bit about the state's finalized spending plan. Apparently, according to James Brooks over at the Alaska Beacon, there was a flurry of last-minute lobbying behind closed doors uh, with the Senate Majority Caucus as they talked things over with the Finance Committee. And apparently there was some strong-arming going on kind of behind the scenes. Um, the, uh, yesterday afternoon, the Senate finance committee was presented with a $6.2 billion proposal that would pay for state services. And it included a proposal for an extra $175 million in funding for K through 12 schools. Now that would increase the per student funding formula, uh, up to $680, uh, creating a $680 increase. Now, that matches the House's number, what the House had put forward. Uh, the Senate, up until now, had been focusing on a much smaller figure of $500 per student. Um, and that was, I mean, just la- this last Monday, that's what Stedman was talking about. But apparently the lobbying by all of his colleagues pushed the figure up even higher, uh, even as Stedman and other members of the Finance Committee clung to a pledge that their budget plan would avoid spending from savings because we're going to, we, we can do it. They, I mean, 
I, you know what? I cannot mock this enough. I just cannot mock this whole idea enough. This is the same group of critters that for the last, you know, 10 years uh, uh, have been just very happy to spend from, um, you know, and has used leverage and, and almost a blackmail extortion to get votes to vote out of the savings account. Uh, so that they can fund the projects that they want to do. But this year, this year, I tell you, they decided that they're going to do a budget without taking any money from savings. They found the moral high ground and they're going to stick to it. It's, it's just, it's just ironic, just ironic. Similar lobbying efforts resulted in other additions, meaning more people outside the Finance Committee were twisting arms with the Finance Committee. Senate, uh, Senate, uh, Senator Kathy Giesel successfully added $30 million in additional Medicaid funding to pay for home care for the elderly. Multiple lawmakers convinced the Senate to add $15 million to pay for higher wages at child care facilities. Uh, the state's planned takeover of a federal program that re regulates construction in wetlands, the Wetland Management Program, was cut from the budget, as has a plan to consolidate the state's procurement officers into the Department of Administration. Oh, but they did find an extra million dollars to give rural public radio stations some money. Five million dollars for the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute. Be and two million more for tourism marketing because people don't know about Alaska and they need to. Yeah, that's because reasons. Now, none of these changes are final yet. The full Senate isn't expected to vote on a draft of the budget until next week. And then we got the conference committee. That's what's going to be happening. There's going to be a lot of potential or probable, I guess, changes in what's going on. Uh, to pay for the changes, by the way, according to, again, to, to James Brooks, to pay for the changes without spending from savings, the Senate reduced the permanent fund dividend, having the number that the House preferred, which was $2,700. So they're going to cut that down to about $1,300, $1,350. That's it. That's how they did it. Didn't pay from savings. Instead, we taxed Alaskans, affecting the lowest 60% of income earners more than anybody else in the state. You guys got to pay for it. Have a nice day. Our work is done. <laughs> now, interestingly enough, on this discussion, Sean McGuire over at the ADN has some other quotes, which I think um, portend a larger overall battle and i don't know how far the uh, i don't know how far the house majority is willing to go on this i really don't the house majority <clears throat> i think has an opportunity here now they're going to they'll take some hits on this i guarantee it but they will take some hits on this um if especially if it comes in a conference committee and they're able to hold the line Big Lake Republican Kevin McCabe, echoing members of House leadership, said during a Tuesday press availability that the Senate's $1,300 dividend figure was a non-starter for him and that the House's $2,700 dividend was already a compromise from a full statutory dividend, which would have cost half a billion dollars more. And I hope they stand on that. 
I hope that they stand on that, that the $2,700 is as low as we go. That is the Hammond 50-50 plan. Everything that Stedman and company is pushing out of the Senate, it follows the 75-25 plan, the 75-25 model, which means 75% of those monies from the permanent fund earnings go to state services. Now, I will remind you that the state already receives 75% of all royalties, all taxes, income, fees, all that kind of stuff, and that 25% that they don't get, go, which goes into the permanent fund, is then spun off and then invested, and the, and, the, and, the, uh, and the profits from those investments come back, and they already get another 50% of those profits. So they get everything on top of everything, and now they want almost all of it. And I guarantee you, if you get 75-25, it's not going to be long before it's 100 and zero. That's what they really want. They don't believe, and just read just read the opinion pieces and the articles and look at what these people are saying. You, that's not your money. That's not your money. That's government money. That's their money that they know better than you how to spend it. Even though you go back and you read <clears throat> all the discussions surrounding not just the permanent fund, but the permanent fund dividend, and you read all the discussions and you realize the dividend is the people's payment for the loss of their mineral rights on their properties. That's what it is. That's exact. It is their stake in the game. And government continues to steal it from you. And tell you, the worst part, to tell you that it's for your own good. We're stealing this from you, but it's for, our, it's for your own good because we know better than you. However, we know. We trust us. Trust us. <sighs> anyway, this, so this is the start. This is the start. I could see this being pushed into a last-minute government shutdown battle. Well, depending on what happens in the conference committee. Uh, and it depends on who they can put into the conference committee. There's not going to be many on the fiscal hawkish side on the Senate side because, remember, Meyer, Shower, and uh, Hughes are not an official, quote-unquote, official minority. That means that they are not guaranteed a seat on the conference committee. In fact, they will probably not be on the conference committee. So there you go. Um, it's going to be, this is going to be an interesting week or two. Uh, we are 20 days right now from the shutdown of the, uh, uh, the shutdown of the legislature, the final day of the 121st day, May 17th. So it's uh, going to be interesting how the showdown looks. And then, of course, it all goes to the governor and he gets to make some decisions on that. We haven't heard yet. It would have been nice to know a little bit ahead of time whether or not he was planning on vetoing certain things to at least make sure that we don't waste time going down rabbit holes that you know he's going to veto anyway. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. All right, we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American Radio. Chris says Dunleavy has better leverage if he doesn't, does not talk about what he will veto. Well, I mean, I guess it increases the uh, it increases the likelihood of a special session if they go to work on something that he's going to veto and they know they don't have the votes to override it. I mean, I don't know if he's got more leverage. Maybe you can explain to me how you think he has more leverage on that, because what it'll do is it'll create a problem where if he vetoes something that they didn't know he was going to veto or didn't expect him to veto, uh, we may have to go back to special session for for that. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what's going on. Um, let's see. Um, shut the state down on July 1st and don't pay back pay. Everyone can pay a little of the price, says Willie. Yeah, I mean, that's not likely to happen, but, I mean, I understand the sentiment. Um, uh, one good side one good side of insomnia, says Jason, is you don't miss the start of the show. Well, I almost missed the start of the show. Well, not really, but I felt like it this morning. So I was staring at the ceiling. Oh, man, a little too early for that stuff. little too early. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, good morning. Is today the day we get to call in and vent? Um, no. Um, I mean, I hadn't planned on it. Yesterday was kind of the day you could call in and vent. That yesterday was a little open line, open forum. Today we've got Sarah Vance uh, coming on board. I still got stuff to talk about in this hour. I mean, maybe we'll open up the last segment. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't got that far yet. I haven't planned that far ahead. Come on. Uh, Jerica says, "Oh boy, reading the Matsu book ban list for school libraries. Extremely disappointed. Most of their books are not bad. Ellen Hopkins is an incredible author, and I think every high schooler should read her books." Not familiar with uh, with Ellen Hopkins, but uh, I know that they started off with a list of, I mean, they've got Slaughterhouse-Five on this list, right? Kurt Vonnegut, which, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough story, but I, I think it's still, I, I think it still should be available. So yeah, I've got questions. I've got questions on some of that. Um, you know, I, I do have questions on some of that. Um... Chris also said, this is the problem with conservatives being so quick to compromise. Although I would argue with the too quick. I mean, they've been fighting on this position for several years before many of them finally came to the 50-50. So I don't know if it was a quick compromise, but I'll just read it as it is. This is the problem with conservatives being so quick to compromise. The other side just moves the goalpost during the next phase of negotiations. Recall back to when Dunleavy surrendered the veto. And, and I agree with that. That is the typical response, regardless if it was quick to compromise or just they finally caved. Then the other side is like, okay, good. You've come to the middle of the field, then we'll move the field down this way. That's what they do. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, oh, let's see. Um, the... Um, I'm going through here. 
Uh, Jerrica said, I re literally read 75% of the Matsu Challenge book list. I'm so frustrated with whoever helped make the list. Those books are not bad. Stop banning books. Some of those books were a reason I didn't become a drug addict like 60% of my graduating class. Wow. Um, yeah, I haven't seen the full list, but I did see some of the mentions. Like you said, I mentioned Kurt Vonnegut. Um, I mean, I think most of the problems were with books that specifically spoke to sexuality and gender and some of those other things. Uh, I don't know if this is their way of kind of fighting back by pulling in books that are historically been good for kids or not. I don't, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, we'll have to see what, uh, what happens with that. Okay. Um, we gotta go. Uh, we're jumping back into it. Like and share 53 people in the room, 10 shares, 10 likes. I mean, 10 likes like and share, like and follow, do what you gotta do. Let's get into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke show common sense radio. Okay. Welcome back to the program. Uh, hour one continues. We'll be joined at the top of the hour by Representative Sarah Vance from down on the peninsula. The peninsula. She'll be joining us to talk about, well, all kinds of stuff. All right. Let's um, let's let's proceed ahead here. And continue to talk about some of the uh, some of the uh, Senate stuff that has come out on this, uh, especially on the um, uh, on the new Senate operating budget, which again underwent some pretty monumental changes yesterday from the Tuesday edition. Uh, apparently, there was a lot of arm twisting in the. Uh, a lot of arm twisting in the back rooms amongst the majority caucus members because we saw an increase of about $175 million on the public school push. Everybody wanted the $680 million or $680 BSA uh, increase. Uh, he said during a committee, uh, Stedman said during a committee hearing yesterday that a $680 boost to the per student funding formula would be substantial for the school districts. But remember, the the education folks all said, well, we need $850. I mean, we just can't make it. It will be crisis. There will be dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. It will be bad. It's the state's public school system is in crisis after years of flat funding and high inflation. Um, to which many of us said, well, that sounds like a you problem. I mean, it sounds like you guys have received a 35% increase in funding over the last 18 years. That sounds like a you problem. Um, the increased educational funding has been one of the Senate's major top two legislative priorities this year. The other one was defined benefits, which I don't think is going anywhere right now. 
The state's draft spending plan looks to set uh, looks to clash with spending priorities articulated by the Republican-led House Majority Caucus. Again, McCabe saying that the $1,300 dividend was a non-starter for him. I'm hoping that it's a non-starter for the majority of the House members. I hope that they just say, uh, no. No, no, no. No! $2,700 was the 50-50 plan to begin with. It would set a new, it would set the, the new number and statute and do all, no, no, 50-50. That's as far as anybody was willing to go. Um, but as I said earlier, the 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 Alaska Senate is like, oh no, we're just gonna we're just gonna take it. You know, we want to pay for all this stuff to pay for its changes without spending from savings. The Senate reduced the permanent fund dividend, having it from its twenty seven hundred dollars. I mean that it was almost it's almost like a footnote in the article. How do they get all this money? How do they do it without spending from savings? Well, they just cut the PFD. I mean, you know, it's only free money for you guys anyway, and you piddly peons should just trust that the legislature is going to do the right thing with the money because they've got such a great track record for all this stuff. Right? I mean, that's what it is. So they're going to half it all over again. Now, the thing is, is to be able to pay from this thing from savings, it would have to come out of the Constitutional Budget Reserve, which requires a three-quarters vote of lawmakers. Stedman says that there's simply not enough votes in the Senate to support drawing from savings. Well, I suppose we could do what you guys did last time, which was basically hold everybody hostage over the three-quarters vote and threaten to hold back funding from your special projects. That's what Stedman's done in the past. I mean, he's he's done exactly the same thing. Maybe we should just throw the whole thing into gridlock. You know, maybe that's what we should do. Just, you know, do the sweep, but don't do the reverse sweep. And then just refuse to, no, we'll just refuse. I mean, maybe we'll just shut. I mean, that, it, <clears throat> boy, howdy. The bad press off that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Every news media outlet in the world, I'm sure, would blame the House majority Republicans for doing that, but the problem is, of course, is they're not the ones, uh, only ones to have any blame in this. They've been trying to do the right thing the whole time. The Senate's sitting around trying to decide who the winners and losers are. The democratically dominated House minority blocked uh, using savings earlier this month to pay for a $175 million school funding boost, uh, but the House will get a second chance for a three-quarters uh, approval vote. If a savings draw is included in the final budget bill, it needs to be. It needs to be. And it should put all of those folks on record as to whether or not they support a 50-50 PFD or not. Interestingly enough, the article from the ADN gets down into fluctuating oil prices and talking about the factors, how that factors into the budget itself. And um, which is kind of interesting, the Beacon article doesn't. Uh, the Dunleavy administration, uh, fluctuating oil prices have been a factor in budget debates. The Dunleavy administration projected in March that a substantial drop in oil prices would see a $925 million revenue hit to the state treasury over two fiscal years. Now, as we've talked and as Brad has extrapolated out the numbers that came in the March uh, revenue forecast, 
this is nothing new. It's $600 million plus per year deficits moving forward based on what they're doing right now. Um, the, uh, the price of oil has since rebounded to more than $80 per barrel, but the Senate is relying on the $73 per barrel oil figure to craft a budget, which I will say is a first because remember, we're always seeing these pie in the sky, rosy revenue projections, and they're basing it. My favorite was when Sean Parnell was governor and oil had dropped down to sub $70 per barrel oil, maybe it was sub $80. It was somewhere between $70 and $80 per barrel. And he was factoring a budget based on the previous $115 barrel per, uh, per barrel oil price. He was building a budget that was already two thirds un, you know, or one third unfunded, and he was like, "Oh, that's fine. We'll just take, don't worry about that." I mean, at least, at least I guess they're crafting it on the lower amount, according to Alexi Painter, who is the nonpartisan Ledge Finance Division director. He said that uh, uh, the the current spending plan at the Senate, what we, what the plan we just talked about, which includes cutting the dividend and everything else would leave the state with an estimated $93 million surplus, but that could be quickly erased with a small drop in oil prices over the ne- – I mean, oh, oh, there you go. We just lost $90, $90 million. It just – it happens. The House could use the surplus for infrastructure projects, Stedman said, because he just – Alexi Painter just said that if there was a hiccup, the money would disappear, but Stedman's like, oh, you could use that money for something else. Uh, but maybe we should – then he said, but he wanted there to be some fiscal headroom in case there was a revenue shortfall. Well, that's fiscally responsible of you. Oh, wait, no, you're the guy that drew all that stuff from savings and has been at the helm of the Senate committee for the finance committee for years that has gotten us to the, I forgot. Yeah, exactly. Um, if oil prices average above projections made in March, the Senate spending plan would transfer the first billion dollars to fill the constitutional budget reserve. Okay, I mean, we have to pay back the Constitutional Budget Reserve at some point, right? I mean, we only owe it $10 billion. I mean, they spent, they spent what, $14, 15000000000 billion over the course of a handful of years in the early teens. And uh, we're, we got to pay that back. We got to pay, we got to pay at least $10 billion of it back. So I guess that's a start. Any additional revenue above that would be set aside for public school funding a year, a year head, uh, a year head of, well, somebody needs a proofreader uh, for public school funding a year ahead of time. Um, well, I mean, we still owe $10 billion to the Constitutional Budget Reserve. Maybe we should just pour it back in there. Or maybe we should pay a full dividend. Or maybe we should, I mean, these guys, they, they got to go. They got to, this old guard crowd has just got to go. Um. The House plan to spend $4.5 million for the state of Alaska to take over management from the federal government on wetlands was removed from the Senate's uh, spending plan, but it could be added again during final budget negotiations with the House. We need to have wetland control in the state. It's one of the few things that I agree the state should take control of because it takes it away from the federal government. I'd much rather have the state controlling something than the federal government controlling it because we have at least have a say in what's going on in the state, not in the feds. It is a pretty small capital budget, though, only $357 million. Basically, all they're doing is putting up monies to match to be able to capture all the federal funding for infrastructure and highway projects. That's all they're doing. They're basically spending the minimum. It's a match to be able to get 
you know, they got to they got to spe- spend a five or ten percent match to get the federal dollars, and that's what they're doing right there. It's a basically it's a minimal capital budget, which again that that makes sense since we're in a tough tough year. But this idea that we're going to spend all this stuff and then just cut it out of the permanent fund, and we couldn't possibly spend any money from savings because. I'm I'm gearing up. I'm I'm wondering what kind of fight this is going to be. It, it'll go one or two ways. It'll either be the knockdown drag out, take it to the finish, potential for government shutdown, or they'll just roll over on themselves and be like, "Okay, we're good for the year." I, I just I don't see much room for anything in between at this point. They're either going to let the Senate manhandle them. I'm talking about House leadership now, House the the, the Republicans, or they're going to fight back. And, of course, if they fight back, there will be a ton of negative press about how the Republicans are the ones that are causing all the problems. The House majority is the ones that's causing all the problems. Because isn't it always their fault? Even when they were in the minority, how dare you be troublemakers? How dare you do this? How dare you? I mean, the <clears throat> again, the news media, not your friend in this case. They They very, you know, very happy to take the talking points from the Senate uh, majority and the House minority, uh, but you know, but when the Republicans were in the minority in the House, they were still the troublemakers. Now that they're in the leadership of the House, they're the troublemakers. It's all those fiscal conservatives, damn them! They are all the troublemakers. That's that's what it is. That that's what it is. Um. Anyway, we gotta we gotta fly here. We gotta. We got to jump forward. We got more coming up. Representative Sarah Vance joining us at the top of the hour. We'll talk with her about the last week or two of the session. We got to go back with more. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Okay. Let me scroll back. Okay. Um uh, so none uh so none of showers, Hughes showers or Myers are allowed on the conference committee. How many PFD defenders could we expect to have, if any? Who would get picked from House Finance? Well, I mean that's the question, right? Um I don't know. I just don't know. You're not gonna have any pro PFD people on the Senate side. Not 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 a not a one. Um, on the House side, uh, I don't know. I don't know who they're going to pick. Uh, the majority will get uh, two. 
the minority will get to. And um, I just don't know who they're going to pick. I mean, I'm hoping that they pick. Uh, well, maybe they'll pick Carpenter. Maybe they'll pick Foster. Um, for the House side, I don't know who the minority will pick, but it's it it'll be it'll be interesting. It will be interesting. Um, going back up here to see what's going on. Uh, what does what area does Stedman represent? Stedman era represents Sitka. Um. Let's see. Thanks. Uh, saw this. Terry says she saw this coming the minute the Senate organized. I mean, we talked about this on the program that this is what was going to happen. This is this should not be a big surprise to those of you who have been watching the show uh, for a while, because we talked about this is what it's going to come down to. It was always going to come down to building whatever whatever kind of spending plan they wanted and paying for it with a PFD. You know, that that's that's exactly it. Um, let's see. Say goodbye to your PFD. Soon it will be gone. Then they can tax us more. Yes, I am the government and I'm here to help you. Ha ha. I mean, it's yes, that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, well, I donated my PFD to the government, Randy. Well. You were foolish to do so, Randy. I've said it once. I'll say it. You had the right to do it, and, you know, you could. But if you think that giving them your PFD back will make them more fiscally responsible, I have some land, uh, some Oceanside land to sell you in Arizona. Um, It's a game, says Darn Arduin. The Department of Revenue sets oil prices unrealistically high so the governor could put out a nice budget. Then the Department of Revenue drops the revenue when the legislature has the budget. Yeah, I mean, I think you could see that if you go back and look at it historically, you probably see high, low, high, low, high, low, all the way through. Um, re- replace the three S's, which is uh, Stedman, Stevens, and Stutes. Is that Stedman, Stevens, and Stutes, the three S's? Um. Jim says, we did our part and got rid of Coghill, just waiting on the rest of you folks. It's true. He's not wrong. They did get rid of John Coghill. And for a while, they got rid of Kathy Giesel. Now we just needed to get rid of the rest of them on the way through. Um, Don't forget that they are LARPing, which is live action role playing. Both House and Senate majorities are beholden to the same special interests. I don't think the House and Senate majorities are, I, I don't agree with that completely. I think that there are a lot of legislators that are beholding to some of the same special interests. I believe that. Um, <clears throat> um, uh, the reverse sweep, says James, is not in the Senate budget at this point when they protected funds like the PCE fund. By making them, in effect, dedicated, it allows the Senate to drop the hammer on the PFD. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. Um, 
Ju- uh, just FYI, Ruffridge's wife is on Dunleavy's Human Resources Commission. Conflict of interest, have this from a very reliable source. Well, yeah, it's it's known. It's posted on the government website that she's part of that thing. Are you saying that it's a conflict of interest for him to vote on HB 99 over that? Yeah. Did anyone watch the House minority speak to the press um, about them wanting to hurry and put in a bill for a progressive income tax? I did not see that. I'm interested to hear. I'm interested to hear more. All right. uh, Jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty based. Free thinking radio. Like it, share. Like it, follow. Let's get to it. Here we go. Okay. One final segment here before we jump over and pick things up with Sarah Vance from the uh, Lower Peninsula. Let's um, let's see. Where do I want to go? I guess uh, I Murkowski's bill on Supreme. Maybe we can save that for a little bit later. Let's talk about the new um, parental rights bill. So Ruffridge, Justin Ruffridge, down from the peninsula, made some waves uh, on HB 99, which is the anti-discrimination bill, by voting for it. And uh, people are still asking questions like, why? Um, But uh, he is also the co-chair of the committee uh, on education. And they were considering HB 105, which is the parental rights bill. And uh, they put together a substitute bill. Um, and the revised, uh, I don't know if it's a full substitute or if it was just amended. I guess that's not clear in what I've been reading here. Maybe it was between the, I don't know what, I, I was okay. Uh, anyway, the, uh, amended version of the bill basically would remove, uh, all references to, um, Sexual education and gender, instead requiring parents to sign off in writing for a student to participate in any class or activity, regardless of subject matter. Parents of Alaska public schools, according to the Alaska Beacon, would be required to okay every lesson taught by their child's teacher under the newly revised legislation. Without permission, the student would be held off for field trips, extracurricular activities, even basic lessons on algebra, biology, and history. The bill would also require school districts to make single-person restrooms available to students. The prior version from the governor would have prohibited transgender students from using their preferred bathroom if it didn't match their biological sex. 
That idea was removed by the committee after hours of public testimony. Under the new version, no one would be required to use a particular restroom. Um, in addition to the provision, uh, an additional provision was written in that would require uh, parents to give school districts a list of all the names and pronouns that can be used to refer to a student. This would prevent a transgender student from using a different name without their parents' knowledge and or permission. Um, the bill is not final yet. The new language advanced four to three after the committee members amended it. Um, and the original bill stated that parents would have to opt into sex educa uh, education classes and lessons on dating violence and sexual assault. This, of course, was the parental rights bill portion of it. Justin Ruffridge revised the bill after consulting with the governor's office. He said the revisions followed hours of public testimony. He said, quote, I think it was pretty clear from the testimony and especially the testimony that we received in written form that parents really do want to know and feel concerned to what their kids are learning at, uh, learning at school. Uh, he said, given that the governor's original idea was for parental rights, he said, if we're going to hear a bill and do work on a bill about parental rights, we should really talk about it in its entirety. So <clears throat> he laid out a hypothetical situation and he said, here's the plan for the next three or four months, uh, talking about parents being presented with a syllabus. He said, here's a plan for the next three or four months. Here's the books we're going to read and the categories we're going to discuss. Please let me know if this sounds good to you and describing again the process. And if there's any changes to that, a permission slip goes out. Now, the teachers and the administrators immediately got all up in arms about this because they're like, it's just not practical. He said it would create a huge administrative burden for school administrators and raises questions about what would happen, who's, what, what happens to students whose parents opt them out of the lessons. What do you do with all those students? I mean, it's a practical question. I mean, I, I definitely could see that. Uh, he, they went on to say, but the, the curriculum is approved by the board. Uh, it's available for everybody to review, but there's also additional materials that teachers can bring in as long as it's aligned with the curriculum. Well, there's the rub, isn't it? They can bring in additional curriculum, uh, additional materials at their discretion that they say is aligned with the curriculum. There's a lot of wiggle room there. He said every time they would do that, theoretically, if you read this bill, you have to get permission to do that. Well, yeah, probably. There's a comment from one of the, oh, I can't even remember who it was now. There was a comment from, <clears throat> who was it? Uh, was it Andy Story? I think it was Andy Story that talks about um, academic freedom. Ac yeah, here we go. Oh, no, it was Rebecca Hemshute. What, what it does is it robs professional educators of a teachable moment. Oh, this is all about the teachers. It robs the teachers of the education. Not about the kids. It's about the teachers. It robs the professional educators of the teachable moment. So if something comes up that is topical on that day or in that week, and the teacher can't pivot and embrace the topical moment because it wasn't announced to a parent, then we have absolutely squelched academic freedom. Well, golly, golly, Rebecca, I'm sorry. We squelch your academic freedom in our zeal and zest to take responsibility for our children. I mean, I mean, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry that that is, wow. I mean, just wow. I'm sorry that it worked out that way for you.
<laughs> but can you see, Can is it just me or can you just see the, uh, the uh, narcissism there? Oh, it's, uh, you know, um, it's all about our academic freedom and it's all about, you know, harming the educators from being able to, you know, it, it robs the professional educators of a teachable moment. I'm just, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry that we did that. But this is the kind of reaction uh, we see it, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it definitely, it definitely is uh, some hypocritical stuff right now. Now, would this be unwieldy in the extreme? Possibly. It could possibly be unwieldy in the extreme. But remember, this is just the first hurdle. This is not the final version of the bill. This is just the first hurdle. It now moves on to judiciary. Sarah Vance. Um, so I'm sure we'll be talking with her about that. Uh, Mike Prax went on a tear about how he thinks it was a mistake for states to mandate school attendance. Um, he said he thinks that was the original mistake. Um, and while I agree with him, I, I don't know if that was the venue for that, interestingly enough. I didn't watch the full meeting, so it's interesting. But this is the bill that's going forward right now. What was the other comment that I, I kind of got? Um, um, oh, I know what it was. <clears throat> C.J. McCormick. C.J. McCormick was also uh, up in arms about some of the changes that would uh, go on here. He's the youngest member of the legislature. He grew passionate, according to James Brooks, he grew passionate uh, as he spoke against the bill. He graduated from high school in 2015, he said, and he ran for office to make life easier for kids like him. Wednesday's bill does the opposite. I feel like this bill strips our state's young people of the ability to make choices for themselves. And it denies them the ability to live with dignity. Well, first of all, these are high schoolers who can't drink, can't smoke, can't vote, can't buy guns, can't get tattoos, can't do a variety of things because they're too damn young. And you want to give them the ability to make choices for themselves on questions of sexuality and all these other kind of stuff. I mean, to me, that was the best meme that I've seen in like forever. I saw it like a week and a half ago or something. And it was basically, um, uh, it was basically somebody said, wait, that they're too young to get a tattoo, but they're old enough to be able to choose what gender they're going to be for the rest of their life and, you know, in modify their body for that. So they're too young to get a tattoo, but they're not too young to get reassignment surgery or take hormone blockers or do whatever. How, how does that make any sense? That's what we're looking at. I mean, this whole idea, this strips the people of the ability to make choices and it denies them the ability to live in dignity. Well, first of all, <clears throat> most of them are teenagers and they don't understand what living with dignity is anyway. I mean, they're teenagers. I'm not chastising them. I'm just saying they don't know n enough. Most of them, I certainly didn't know enough about how to live with dignity when I was in my teens or in high school. Then I, uh, that, you know, that's something that comes with it. <laughs> age for the most part, but really the choices you make for yourselves, that's, uh, uh, I mean, again, we're talking about which bathroom to pee in. We're talking about, uh, you know, what you're going to do for, 
uh, you know, people calling you, and yet you still got to go home and live with mom and dad. And you got to, this is, this whole argument is so stupid. Just take these kids out of school. Take all your kids out of school. If you, I'm not even going to get into it because it's just going to piss me off. That's pretty much where I'm at right now. Uh, okay. We'll see you guys in just a few moments with State Representative Sarah Vance. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Almost lost it there. Common Sense Radio. so freaking pissed there at the end all of a sudden my i don't know if you could see the vein throbbing in my temple but it was there it's was right there (laughs) academic freedom there academic freedom is not for k-12 through educators that's not what this is about this is not about expression and things like this is not going to college and academic freedom in college. This is something completely different. Something completely different. Oh, we fixed the bathroom thing, but now nobody wants. I mean, it's like Kevin McCabe saying that there's the the gym, the gym in Wasilla that put in a single person locker room and then the transgendered guy or whatever didn't want to use it anyway and went into the bathroom with all the women even after uh, no no i think i think it was who was it yesterday that said that was it carlene no it was somebody else and i think yeah she said they're just looking for validation by going into these places you could offer them a unisex bathroom and they're not going to take it they want to go into the women's restroom to validate that they're a woman Just take your kids out of school. If 40% of us took our children out of school, this would not be a problem. This would not be a problem because all of a sudden they wouldn't be able to keep things rolling because they don't have enough students because they wouldn't have enough money. If you just... My head is going to explode. Uh, All right. Well, I see bright and smiley, sunny faces in the green room, so I suppose we should go over there and do our thing to it. Oh, man, look, she's got a beard. No, it's just the mug. Hey, uh, it's uh, Sarah Vance. Hello, my dear. Uh, How are I got to unmute you? No, you got to unmute you. You're still muted. I still can't. They chose to mute themselves. Now I can hear you. There you go. Hello and good morning to you. (laughs) How How are you doing? Doing all right. I'm choosing to be here at my house for this call rather than my office because it is blowing sideways. I can see I can see the rain spattering on the window behind you. Yeah, that's uh that's not a good that's not a good look. That's not a good look. 
So, uh, well, good morning. And, uh, man, you picked the, you picked a day to join us. Cause I just got, I got myself all worked up into a bit of a lather here over. Some, I'm just so frustrated with this whole thing, this whole discussion. Why don't we just pull all the kids back out and let the school system start? Why don't we start fresh? Why don't we just start fresh? You know, uh, I just find some of these arguments and some of these, uh, quotes from various legislators and educators just ridiculous at some point. Yes, of course, we as parents have ultimate responsibility for our children. No, I don't think a 10-year-old should be deciding what their gender is for the rest of their lives at 10 years old. I mean, hell, I don't think as a 16, that's a decision that can be made with any kind of uh, stability or anything else. Uh, Like I said, you can't smoke, drink, buy a gun, or get a tattoo at that age. Uh, Why would you want them to decide what their gender is going to be for the rest of their life. It makes no it makes no sense whatsoever. Sorry, that was my rant. I'll let you talk now. Hi, how are you? <laughs> you needed that. Yeah. Oh man. I just you gotta, I, get, you gotta get it out. I ha- I I held it right up to like the last sixty seconds and then it just started to tweak my melon and I'm just like I I e uh the edge, the 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 uh, the hymn shoot. Uh, well, the educator freedom and the teachable moment and the shut your pie hole. Um, anyway, um, so see, I don't listen to that committee. I have other things. I mean, that's eight in the morning. Oh that's yeah, still, yeah. It's you good. know, I'm I'm rolling into the office. I'm getting my coffee. I'm having to just figure out, you know, what I'm gonna face for the day, and I let all that drama, you know, stay at the other end of the hallway. Good for you. Probably a good idea. Probably the best idea possible uh, right now. Yeah, I mean, I just I look at this now. This is a bill that's actually heading to you. Uh, we're gonna get we're we're gonna get a chance to talk about that, and then we'll talk about your priorities and what you've got going on and the other things that are happening. But yeah, I've been dealing with crime, and I would much I rather deal with crime than I, I would all of this oh, education. Yeah, well, I know you got well, HB one hundred five, and you got HB ninety nine coming to you, I right? Do. So, woo, we can talk about that for a minute, and then we'll talk about your crime stuff. Uh, anyway, it should be fun. <laughs> By fun, I mean infuriating, but it'll be great. Uh, people will be educated, and we'll be ready to go. Uh, so, other than the weather, how's How's Juno outside of the building? I mean, how's everything else? I saw you were, were you walking around? Uh, you were, you were having a good time exploring. Is it last weekend? Well, that or was before? like a week ago. I was just going to say that was like a week ago last. They're all blurring together. I've, I've worked, I've been working for the last 14 days. So I'm just like, I can't even think right now. When was that last year? Did you have a good time? That was year? the day that the sun shines. The one it's day. Been a while. Yeah, exactly. You mark yeah, it on your calendar. I, I got the one day that the sun shines. I yeah. do because my office, uh, it's, it's a great office. It's right off of the judiciary, the room that, that is the traditional judiciary room, but there's, no sunlight. My window looks at the parking garage and garbage cans. So if there's sunshine, I have to get out and go walk on the dock and, you know, because I'm I'm a little loony. I'll go into the other offices that have natural light and it's like, oh, you know, it's just, it's, the sun does exist. People walk into the room and Sarah's in somebody, somebody else's office with her face pressed against the window, like worshiping oh, the sun or something. You, you know? Yes. <laughs> you just- that- that's no joke. All right, hold the line. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Hour two is right now.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find links to everything, podcasts, stream, uh, simulcast sites on the social medias, the whole deal, also broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It's right. That's what we do every day, Monday through Friday. Today, it's hour two of the big radio broadcast, and we are happy to be joined uh, by our friend, uh, representative from down on the peninsula. Uh, it is uh, Sarah Vance who joins us this morning to talk about uh, wood ticks, lunatics, and politics. All those, no, it just, it's going to be, it's good stuff. Whatever it is, we're going to talk about it. Sarah Vance joins us this morning. Uh, good morning. How, how are, how are you? I see it's a rainy blustery day in Juneau today. Good morning, Michael. It is. And I'm going to have to walk to work. So I, oh. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> that's why you didn't walk to your office to have the interview. That's right. She's, I'm, she's I'm looking her... forward to it. It yeah. will yeah. Yeah, she's got her I'm kitchen table. My hair dryer with me today. Luckily, she's got a tarp that she's going to carry with her, and she'll look like a homeless person on the way to the Capitol to try and stay dry. Um, all right, Sarah. Well, we just finished talking, and boy, I hate to drop you into the deep end of the soup so early, but we were just talking about uh, a couple bills. Yesterday, we discussed HB 99. Today, we discussed HB 105. 99, of course, is the anti discrimination bill, and 105 is the parents' bill of rights. These are two bills that have just come out of committees and are headed over to your committee. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about that. And then I want to talk, you were working on some stuff on crime and other things. And then I want to talk about just your priorities and how you see the last mm, 20 days of the session, because today is the 20th day. We're counting down from here uh, what we kind of see. So if you're willing to do that, let's let's kick things off with, uh, with a couple bills. So HB 99 was an anti-discrimination bill, um, and it basically deals with the the gender. And this is part of the LGD, uh, LGP, the alphabet crowd. Uh, it's part of their deal to try and, I think, establish some kind of nomenclature and to redefine the word sex in statute so that it doesn't just include male and female, that they can interpret it any way they want. I think it opens up the doors for a lot of legal liability because you're talking about public accommodations, which include everything from basically any major open business to pools, restaurants, hockey clubs, uh, ice skating rinks. I mean, you can just go through the list. It's basically any public space that has a public restroom and could open any one of those businesses or organizations up for legal action and things like this. Um, and, and the worst part, because we've seen these things, Fairbanks, the Fairbanks City Council fought over this here a couple of years ago. There's already rules in place for discrimination and everything else at the federal level. Why do we need 
this state thing to come in and make it even worse. So this is coming into your committee, and I, I'm not asking you to tip your hand or talk strategy or do anything else. I just want some generalities of what you're seeing as this comes across and what your thoughts are and what you're willing to share with us on HB 99. Well, they just came to my committee. Uh, both of both of those uh, bills just came yesterday, this week. And uh, I don't even know if they've officially been transmit to judiciary yet. They potentially have, you know, because you have to wait for committee substitute, right, right. right across the floor, da, da, da. So uh, the first thing that I'm going to say is the same thing that I've told other legislators wanting their bills heard in my committee is that I have other priorities for the last 20 days and it's just not going to happen. I'm being honest with everyone. You, oh, will, wow. not see, you will not see those bills uh, in, well, actually I do have uh, 105 scheduled for Monday, but I'm not sure that uh, the administration is available to, con to present the governor's bill on Monday, uh, the parental rights bill. But I have other priorities. Is anyone interested in election reform? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Hey, you know what? This is not no. this is not news that makes me unhappy. OK, because there is a parliamentary process for a reason. And the chairs of these committees can have their own priorities and be willing to be be wanting to work on something else. They don't have to see your bills. That work has worked against us so many times. In this case, I'm happy to see that it may work in our favor, that you have higher priorities than worrying about whether or not somebody can go use a bathroom somewhere. I think that's a great thing. I mean, uh, somebody- well, and It's not just my priority, it's our caucus, our, our majority priority right. for election reform. Yeah. I've been waiting for those bills to come from state affairs uh, because they got referred there first for, for vetting there. And I'm hoping that I will uh, have at least uh, the House Bill 129, which is cleaning up the voter rolls. I'm hoping to have that by next Monday. Hope you know. Well, we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, that is the priority. So those two bills will have full consideration, just like every other bill in my committee, likely next session. Right. Okay. Good. Um, interestingly. Uh, when you mentioned HB 105 uh, and having it up for committee, but you're not sure if the governor, this is substantially changed from the governor's bill. And being that it's amended, uh, walk me through the process here because I haven't been part of this before. So does the governor, does the administration still present it? Do members of the committee come down and explain why they amended it a certain way or how does it, how does that work? No, it's still the governor's bill and the administration from, you know, department of administration, uh, people from deed would come and present the bill because still has their name on it. And the original intent came from the administration. They are uh, they are in the middle of some tribal compacting that's all hands on deck. So it I'm, we'll see if they're, they'll be available or not next week. But uh, no, it's still very much their bill. And uh, yes, there's been a lot of changes, but our committee has the discretion to make the adjust the bill and draft it the way that we see fit as well we have to take in consideration of our, of our colleagues and and what they felt was appropriate right uh, but everyone you know every committee gets their their hand at adjusting the dial and uh, if i remember correctly it may only have a finance referral after this 
um, because if it has a uh, if it costs money, it's going to go to finance and then move on to rules. And rules is where we have to gather what's called chits. We have a little sheet and we have to go get signatures saying, "Hey, will you vote for this?" And if a, if a bill can't get at least 21 chits, it won't come to the floor for a vote. So you still have, even though it's gone through the committee process, have to go around and get support for that bill. Right. And oftentimes the administration, sometimes they will do that personally, or they will find uh, the chairman of that original committee who may want to carry the bill for them. But oftentimes they go and ask for support themselves. Uh, we're talking with Representative Sarah Vance. We're talking a little bit about the process here uh, in the legislature through judiciary back out onto the floor. Uh, I will make clear because I don't I'm not sure that I made it clear earlier in the discussion that the governor himself does support the amended version of the bill, according to his spokesman, Jeff Turner, quoted in the ADN. Uh, it was amended. The amended bill was authored by uh, Justin Ruffridge who had been working with the governor. So the governor does support it. And I guess that would make sense that his people would come in and now present it in that way. And that's scheduled for Monday tentatively, right? That's uh, we could hear more about it on Monday. Potentially. Um, I'm thinking that it's unlikely, but you know, we'll see. Uh, I, I plan to have house bill 129, the uh, voter rolls bill have a first hearing in my committee that day as well. As long as it makes it successfully out of state affairs today. Today, which we're all waiting for. And I do want to talk about that. I want to talk about some of the other bills. But I appreciate your candor on that, that there are just certain priorities and some bills are not going to be heard. And again, that doesn't necessarily hurt my feelings because I've seen many bills that I supported not get heard in the past. That's just the prerogative of the majority and of the chairs of the committees. And it's it's just the way it is. And like I said, every now and then I like to see it work out in my favor. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, let's see. So you are focusing right now personally on a couple different things. You were talking about crime. Uh, you were also talking about judicial, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, electoral and judicial reform. So tell me a little bit here about what your focus is and just give me a tease because we're going to going to come up on the break and then we'll come back and break it down for me. So tell me what Sarah Vance's legislative priorities are here for the last 20 days of the session. Oh, the last 20 days, not what I've done. Well, no, yeah, no, no. Go ahead. Start it. You know what? Start with what you've done and then we'll go to break and then we'll come back about what you're I don't want to I'm not trying to pigeonhole you here. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, one of the bills that I'm hoping to have move out of Labor and Commerce Committee tomorrow is House Bill 21, the School Health Care Consolidation, that has the potential to save school districts and the employees a lot of money. School districts can save millions and the employees can save thousands. Some districts have set up to $3,000 a year per employee. That's significant. So that's one of the, the bills that I am hoping will make it across the finish line this year. I got to say that that's a bill that I've always scratched my head because this has been talked about for like the last three or four years kind of in the public. And I'm like, why isn't everybody embracing this? Not only would this make it more efficient, more cost effective for the state, because, again, they could save the number. One of the numbers I saw said something like 40 or 50 million dollars could be saved. And then, of course, it's savings for the employees. Why isn't everyone clamoring for this? Is there what's the what's the status of that bill? I mean, has it got support? Has it got opposition? Tell me what's going on. Well, Representative Fields has introduced about either seven or nine amendments. 
So I think that's your answer right now. Yeah, seven or nine amendments that would basically replace the entire guts of the bill with something else, I'm sure, probably, is what it looks like. Um, So there is some pushback. Again, which I don't understand. Why would there be pushback? Other than, I guess, the unions would lose uh, money because they they handle and administer a portion of that. So they probably would lose some money. If the state starts saving money, the unions will lose some money. So maybe that explains why Representative Fields is so... So enamored with the idea of changing it. All right. Well, look, we're we're coming up on the break. I don't want to get too far into anything else. So we will continue. Representative Sarah Vance uh, from Homer is with us right now. The Michael Duke Show. We got more coming up. We're going to continue. And uh, we'll... Uh, We're going to find out more about what she's done and then what the priorities are for the next 20 days. And then we'll get a we'll get the we'll get her final thoughts on where she thinks this is all going to end up, especially in regards to the Senate's new uh, operating budget, which includes a PFD that is half of what it should be. So we'll talk about that. That squinch just tells it all right there. That little eh, tells it all. We're going to be back. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty Bay's Free Thinking Radio. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. It's true. I'm a bad, bad man. I I bring the pain, and I'm sure... Hello to all you staffers out there who are having to transcribe the show. I know what happens because I have legislators say, they just showed me a transcript of yesterday's show and where you were talking bad about something. I'm like, this is my tax dollars at work? You guys got staffers actually transcribing the show to hear exactly what I have to say? Well... <clears throat> Don't I feel important, you know? I will say my staff listens to your show without, without requirement. Have, without having they, to be told? Okay. okay. Without having to be told. They freely listen. That's what we call volunteerism. That's what we Oh, call. that's right. There you go. It's voluntarism, right? That's the uh they like to do it because they can. Oh, man, I know. I just I've talked to some legislators where they're like, I can't believe you said this. I'm like, what do you mean? They said, well, because somebody came and handed me a transcript of the show. And I'm like, what? Somebody's actually out there tippity typing away. I can't believe he just said that. Um, Good for you guys. The name is Dukes, D-U-K-E-S. Make sure you spell it correctly. All right. In the transcript. I just want to make sure that's right. Um, Sarah, this must have been a different kind of year for you down there. I mean, this is the first year that you guys have been in the majority. It's got to be a whole different world. It really does. Well, you know, kind of. It's definitely, you know, freedom is a responsibility and it's work. You know, holding the microphone and controlling the calendar, it's powerful. And that's the main difference right now. But is it... Is it like all sunshine and rainbows? No, absolutely not. It isn't. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm working, you know, at least 12 hour days. Yesterday, maybe it was maybe seven, uh, six thirty, seven o'clock. And I'm like, I, I need to get out. I yeah. just need out because I, just, I, you know, I've been working hard. I and can't just, breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I need, I need to get out of this room. Where you're like, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, 
because we're just dealing with all kinds of things all the time. And, you know, you work hard, you bust your butt, and then people go, what are you wasting your time on like trafficking, (laughs) human trafficking stuff? Like, isn't that already done? I literally read a a comment on my Facebook page about that. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe me slaving away down here fighting for, you know, liberty doesn't matter as much to the people as I thought. So, you know, that's when you have to get out of the building. When you, I've been pretty salty lately. So just trying to get out. (laughs) Your your daily allowance of sodium, courtesy of uh, Sarah Vance. That's what is coming down here. But it's it's good because we're we're having the conversations. You know, the the media asked us uh, about you know we they haven't seen as many bills passed as if that was a bad thing. I saw and, that. I wait. I, I saw that on the news. I said, oh, they've been in session, but they haven't passed nearly the number of bills. And I'm like, good, good. We're doing our job. It should be a it should be a long drawn out painful. Very cumbersome process. That's what the framers intended. They didn't intend that it would be on silver rails and you could just throw something on and it'd be passed in a day. They wanted it to be because every one of those bills infringes on liberty in some way. And the framers wanted it to be as difficult as possible. You know, I think you just described what our experience has been this year. It has been (laughs) as difficult as, as possible. Uh, but but there's been some good things and uh, difficult things, but good. And the one uh, big focus that I've had in Judiciary Committee, uh, besides, you know, caucus priorities, we passed a spending cap out of there, the reciprocity uh, for handguns, you know, across the states came out of my committee, um, our submerged lands bill to protect our water rights in the state of Alaska that we were promised at statehood, by the way, we passed that out of my committee. But the number one thing that has been on my heart is the the sex and human trafficking crime bill that came from the governor. For the past several years, I've been trying to uh, work work on human trafficking. And every time I would try to have something drafted, I would hear, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. All right. Super frustrating. Hold on. We're about to jump back into it. Sarah Vance is our guest. That coffee tastes better out of that mug, doesn't it? It's better out of that mug. Yes, you know it is. That's it's good. It's not Folgers, Harold. I'm sorry, it's not Folgers. Nobody drinks that cow piss, all right? Well, maybe you, but nobody else. Sorry, that's just how it is. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's do it. Public anima number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy, public enemy number one, which uh, makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. <laughs> yes, he. She almost spit her coffee out on that one. Uh, the Michael Duke show, public enemy number one in judo. Anyway, I'm sure they got posters around town looking wanted. This guy. Uh, that's okay. I'm. I can live with that. Uh, welcome back to the program. We're continuing hour two of this Thursday edition. Sarah Vance is our guest representative from down on the peninsula, representing the Lower Peninsula Homer area, uh, and of course uh, chair of the Judiciary Committee. And we've been talking with her about some of the bills that have come through and the process and everything else. And right before we went to break, she's been talking about some of the things that she's been working on. 
Uh, and uh, you've also been working on some bills that are near and dear to your heart, Sarah. You were just telling us during the break that uh, the human trafficking bills and the crime surrounding that is something that you have wanted to work on for a long time, but just never happened because you weren't in power. I mean, control the majority, whatever you want to call it. Oh, I actually have to unmute Sarah because, you know, she I muted her. I didn't want her to laugh too hard. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Sarah. You know, I tell, this has been an enjoyable mor- morning. I've needed a good laugh, and you have definitely provided that this morning, Michael. That's my job. Entertainment and enlightenment. That's it right there. Entertainment and enlightenment. Go ahead. Uh, for the trafficking bill, I've I've been trying to have start with at least the basic definition of human trafficking that includes force, fraud, and coercion. And even when I would try to present that idea to our legislative legal for drafting, they would say, no, we can't do that. And it just seemed like I would hit one roadblock after another. So I started talking to the administration and and saying, what can we do? Because I know the governor had introduced a bill my first term, but it never would be heard in House Judiciary. And that's been the case uh, my entire tenure. So obviously, when I became the chair of judiciary, I said, guess what we're going to talk about? And uh, the Senate judiciary last year did a lot of work on the bill, but it never was considered in the House. So the administration took what the finished work of the, of the Senate judiciary last year and started with that bill. So we just moved that bill out of judiciary, uh, House judiciary on Monday, and it is a 54 page bill. But we did some incredible work. We've been working on it for the past two months. And uh, that what it does is it defines sex and human trafficking, the sex trafficking, obviously having to do with commercial sex, human trafficking having to do with labor. And uh, in the bill, it previously had a crossover with prostitution and sex trafficking. And that was uh, provided a lot of consternation among some of the members on my committee. So I separated them out and made different degrees of prostitution. We also made it where if you have any professional, a professional license, like um, a counselor, a teacher, uh, a physician, and you are convicted of sex trafficking, you will permanently lose your license in the state of Alaska and not be able to practice in that field. Uh, They will have to be registered as sex offenders Uh, The first degree is an unclassified felony, meaning meaning you can be put away for 99 years. If you are selling people for sex or labor in Alaska, we're going to throw the book at you. I um, forfeited property says, yep, we're going to we're going to you're going to forfeit your property if if you use that to advance a sex or human trafficking. And uh, and then that will be used for. resources for victims of trafficking, just a lot of really good work that the committee put in. Uh, You know, those who have prior convictions of prostitution will be able to have that vacated and get their dividends returned to them because we heard from victims who clearly were trafficked and um, just just hard stuff. I mean, crimes against humanity type of stuff. And this has not been clarified in Alaska statute. Uh, So, you know, just some some good stuff, and that that huge old bill is now headed to finance. Uh, we'll see, you know, if they're able to get to it because I'm hoping we can at least pass the floor for that bill this session. But um, it's a it's a big crime bill, but we did a lot of great work. So, you know, we we think that that kind of thing doesn't really impact us, 
But what we're finding out is that the online stuff that our kids are facing is where they're being trafficked and, and coerced. And that's also directly related to the increase in suicides of our youth. And one in four Alaskan girls are said to have a plan to end their lives. And it's the same same line of um, online activity that leads to trafficking. Right. So it's a really big deal. No, and, and of course, the advent, the Internet is the two-edged sword. I mean, it's the, one of the greatest potential tools in the history of the world. It's also one of the most dangerous things in the history of the world. We've seen more and more. In fact, in just the last two or three weeks, we've seen two or three more child pornography cases come up. And of course, a lot of that comes from, you know, coercion online or subterfuge online and things like that. And I'm, uh, I mean, I'm glad you're working on something like this that makes it clearer for folks. And I think separating out the victims, uh, you know, sex Mm -hmm. workers from the whole thing makes sense because many times they are uh, unwilling victims of this, and they should not have the same punishment that's going on for the people who are actually trafficking them uh, in that situation. Uh, but definitely something that's needed. Fifty-four pages. Oof! I hope everybody <laughs> reads the bill before they, you know, before they vote on it, kind of thing. Well, a lot of that is having to do with the the language around professional licensing. You know, uh, we all we researched that a lot of the boards, professional licensing boards, did not require anyone to report if they've had prior convictions. They didn't have to check that little box and then boards didn't have to ask. So we changed that in this bill so that they could know if someone had these any prior felonies. Kind of a big deal. You want to these are trusted uh, professional you know licenses that uh, have a pers- are personal in nature and uh, that was addressed in this bill. I also had an educational component. you know, you began the show with talking about House Bill 99 and 105 having to do with discrimination and the parental rights. This bill is very much about saving our kids. And I put in an educational component that uh, will teach kids about the safe online practices and what the signs of trafficking are. Age appropriate, of course. Um, you know, junior high, they teach about gaslighting and how people are lying to you online. And cat, that yeah. that person that you're chatting with in the game isn't another twelve yeah. year old kid. Little cat, uh, little catfishing going on, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's to hear the sobering amount of our our junior high and high school kids who are being manipulated and the sextortion that is taking place and the bullying. It's it's, I you would break. You think you're mad about the trans issues? Yeah. You find out about the reality of what our kids are facing every day here in Alaska. Uh, you know, it's it's astounding. So I'm definitely been focused on the kids in this bill. And um, I tell you, I took a picture of my staff called it the Old Testament because when they brought the bill, because it was so big. And I took a picture of it. I said, that's that's one of my babies right there, because right. it's really important work that people have no idea about. But, uh, you know, I'm thinking about all of these things that we want to protect our kids and there are a variety of ways to do that that doesn't have to be controversial. So right. that's been the, one, the thing. But I do have other bills moving along as uh, we talked about House Bill 121, uh, the health care consolidation. You know, we've talked about efficiency in, for, in government. You talk about it every day of the week. 
And this is one of those bills. Again, one of the bills that I think should have been a no-brainer and should really not have faced any real opposition because it saved it saved the state money and it saved the employees money. Why wouldn't you want it? Well, of course, because it takes the money out of the hands of the unions. Nobody wants it. I do want to rewind for just a second because you used a term, and I, and I want to explain to people what you're talking about, um, sextortion. Um, let me let me run you a little scenario just so folks out there understand how heinous this kind of stuff can be. Some young teen girl or boy, but you, uh, girls are really targeted uh, pretty hard, um, is gets into an online conversation with somebody. It becomes kind of an online friendship. They don't realize that the person is not a teenage boy or girl. Uh, somehow it gets talked into sending this person a naked snap of themselves as a teen, right? And then all of a sudden the person says, well, I'm not really a teen or whatever, and now I have this picture, and if you don't do exactly what I say, I'm going to put this picture up all over the Internet. I'm going to send it to your family. I'm going to send it to your friends. I'm going to, And that is what this – I mean, it is horrific what goes on because mm-hmm. now you have a teenager who's already full of all the angst and anxiety and change of being a teenager, and now you put this tremendous pressure on top of them, and it's no surprise that many of these kids – want to commit suicide because to them it seems like the only way out of a situation that they got themselves into. I mean, you know, they were coerced into it. They didn't even know. Um, it is horrific. And I'm glad to see those kind of people, by the way, need to go. They need to be put under the jail, buried under the jail because uh, that kind of stuff. That is just I I have z- zero tolerance for anybody that exploits children in any way. So uh, that's just an example of some of the things she's talking about. I wanted to put kind of a face on it so you understood what it was about. So good yeah, for you. Yeah, thank you for that, Michael. Yeah, good for you. Um, all right, so uh, that's a big bill. May or may not make it in. Now, it goes into the next half of the session next year, right? So it doesn't die. You've got the Correct. next session, so it can come back next year. Uh, hopefully we can get something like that passed uh, as well. Um, what, anything else? I know judici- judicial reform has been a thing. Have you been involved in that? Obviously, as chair of the Judicial Committee, what's going on with that? That bill is in my committee, and um, I was supposed to hear that on Monday, but the trafficking bill got delayed in movement, and um, we had to cancel that hearing so that we could get the trafficking bill out because I wanted to get it moving on. We had um, so many hearings on it. You know, you, you didn't have you know, committee fatigue on issues after a while, but I wanted to wrap that baby up and put her to bed. So we do have judicial reform in my committee. Uh, Rep Rousher's carrying that bill in the House and, uh, you know, going to work on that. But I'm trying to look at what our bandwidth is for the remainder of the session in right. the judiciary, because my committee is in the afternoon and it will get bumped for longer floor sessions. So it's a challenge to dig into the meaty bills at this point in the session. Um, election reform, as I said, is something that, you know, you as the people have told us we have to do. And uh, that is one of the things that I'm going to try uh, to to at least get some low hanging fruit because we haven't gotten anything in the past several years. Right. And uh, going to to focus on that. And that's something that I've worked on before for the past several years. So it's not new material for me. Will be a little bit easier to wrap my head around. Um, let's see. We've had some of the uh, the. I'm trying to think of the other the big issues that the people that you've told us to work on. Um, those are kind of the top ones of right. uh, 
you know, the election reform, judicial reform, uh, you know, spending, you know, less, of course, but I'm telling you, the appetite is weak. <laughs> okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let me finish out this segment then. I mean, first of all, this proves one thing, that this is why it's so important to kind of strategically think about these bills and what you got and to understand that it's not just this one part of the session. These bills don't die. They could be taken up again in January. So just because it doesn't get heard this part of the session, you can start the next part of the session with these big meaty bills as well. So yes. that's, that's, good to, that's good to know. Um, but you just hit on something that I think my listeners will specifically uh, appreciate because if I've heard it once, I've heard it a million and a half times, why don't we cut more? And I have said, I am with you, but I can see the handwriting on the wall and see that there is no political will to cut what we have. We've got handfuls of people that are in favor of that, but they cannot get the 20 and the 10 or the 17 and the you know you they cannot get it over the finish line right now because there is no appetite to cut the size and scope of government right now am i wrong no you're pretty accurate on that uh it's it's challenging and you know when you look at the i've talked about this before you look at the graph of the size of the different department budgets and you have health and social services is it is the largest, then education, and then all of the other departments are wee little blips on that graph. And everybody's like, cut, cut, cut. Well, there's two, two huge budgets right. that need to be addressed, but it is political suicide to want to do any reductions in health and social services and education. Right. The reality of what it's gonna take is looking at the programs and the formulas and doing reform because right. we're we're bleeding out so much money that you can't just go and and just say well we're not going to do that anymore uh like in hess people aren't getting their snap benefits right huge problem like a lot of hungry people this is federal dollars coming through the state that we're supposed to distribute to to these people to have food the the whole system is so broken and has been for more than a decade. For 10 years, we were supposed to be transitioning into new IT programs, and it didn't happen. Right. Um, the people who we had the contract with supposedly just didn't fulfill that. Uh, and now they're having to hire people to manually input every application mm -hmm. and renewal every single one there's at least eighty thousand people affected and i asked what the timeline was on the end they have to interview these people they said it could take up to eight hours for a family to be interviewed for, and go through the all the paperwork process and i'm going wait what eight, how eight, long eight hours in a working day and you got eighty thousand applications well that'll be a few years right you I know mean, if if a family has other stuff in Hess that they need to um, work through the application. So we know that personnel is cost the most. And that's something that we're just, we just have to do it. Yeah. It's costing so much money 
because we're not doing it efficiently. Well, and so that, we're having to like rework programs to stop the bleed. And that's why program. That's why uh, suggestions like your consolidation of healthcare bill makes so much sense because again, education is the second highest area of the budget. Right. And if you can cut fifty million here, fifty million there, pretty soon you're talking about real money. Sarah Vance. Okay. Uh, Sarah Vance is our guest. We got. Uh, we got to go. We got one final segment dead ahead. We're going to continue with her. We'll talk about the PFD. We'll talk about the budgets. We'll talk about the last 20 days of session. We'll see what she has to say. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. They call it the flavor saver for a reason. That's what it is. Get that coffee in there. You can have it all day long. All right. Sarah Vance is our guest uh, here on the program. Um, I just, I think it, it, we cannot hit it hard enough, Sarah, to make people understand that while there are a handful of people in the legislature in both the house and the Senate that are absolute fiscal hawks and would love to take a hatchet to the state government overall, it requires a cooperation of people who are not interested in cutting the state budget. There are just people there who just believe that they know better than you how to spend that money and that us poor little pitiful plebes should just shut up and sit down and understand it. And so you guys are around there trying to find ways to cut and they are basically roadblocking at every opportunity, be they left, right or center. Uh, I I don't believe that there's a Republican Democrat divide in the legislature anymore. I believe that there is a pro-government spend and a pro-private sector spend. I believe that that's where the divide is. Doesn't matter what, what animal you wear on your lapel. It, it has to do with that. And I think that there are more pro-government spend people in the legislature now than there has been almost ever, even with the 30 that has been changed out in the last two years. I mean, has this been your experience overall? It definitely has that flavor. And um, it's it sounds um, it, it just sounds so, so different here because, you know, there's so much need and these programs support so many people. And you heard Rep. Josephson on the floor that, you know, during the budget, well, it only takes $100 out of everyone's PFD to support these services that are so needed. Well, I get that, but you're choosing to take money from every eligible Alaskan, which is essentially a tax, to give to this pocket of people. Yes, the need is there, but even Jesus said the poor will always be among us. But it's not government's duty to help take care of the poor. I remember John Coghill coming into my office or into the studio. This is 15 years ago, 18 years ago. And I was chastising him because, I mean, he had stood alone. I mean, for most people who don't know the history of John Coghill, he's a guy, when he started out in the House, he stood outside the caucus for three years. He would not join the caucus based on fundamental principled issues, including the size and scope of government. But by year four, they'd offered him a leadership position. And by year five, he was embracing some of these things. And I asked him, what's what's with the change? And he said, well, you don't understand, Michael. These people come into my office every day, every day. I've got it's my Christian duty to help them. Great. It's your Christian duty with your pocketbook, not with my pocket. If you feel impelled to, to compelled to help these people. That's great. Not with other people's money. And that's what that's what's come down is that people are 
oh, it's only a hundred bucks here, a hundred bucks there. Well, you do that thirteen or fourteen or fifteen times, the next thing you know, you've taken half the p. You have you have harmed the economy in the largest and most painful way possible, and you have specifically regressively hurt people who are on the lower fifty or sixty percent of the income chain more than anybody else. It, it's just absolutely astonishing. Oh, I could preach right now, Michael. I could preach. You know, um, it's not it's not government's job to be helping the poor. It is our job as individuals and as churches and, and as communities to be taking care of the poor among us. It's our job. Well, it's only been the last, what, 80, 90 years that this social safety net has been built from a government. Traditionally, those have been private into, you know, pr- churches, private organizations, philanthrop- uh, phil- uh, philanthropic groups. I mean, they were the ones that took care of all that stuff. It's only been uh, really since, you know, FDR and the whole, th- I mean, that, that mm-hmm. really is where the social safety nets came into play that are government run. That's not government's responsibility. Correct. And and that's the challenge. That's where, where we've become. And uh, when you listen to Rep Carpenter and his fiscal plan, He's talking about having the tie to the private sector so that we can build that up to give you more free, more revenue and more freedom to be able to support yourselves and help those around you. That's that's the whole idea. Instead of growing government, we're growing the private sector so you have more liberty to do as you wish and to take care of yourselves. And um, I on the dividend, I explained that, that we are helping people be able to to take care of themselves when we when we give a full dividend. Right. And that which is their money. Which is which their, is their money. Right. Yeah. Now, you know, there's there's people have been telling me that I've sold the farm and that I've, you know, fallen into the Juno cabal because of my vote, my fir- vote on this first round of the budget. I have not changed my position on a full PFD. I am still fighting for that full dividend. But if you're watching the budget vote, I didn't even get to vote on the full dividend amendment because it was tabled. Right. I'm, I am still a full PFDer. And the only reason that I voted yes on this budget was so that we could, as a majority, be unified and tell the Senate we're serious about a fiscal plan. I have not promised what my vote will be on this final budget vote because I don't do that. Right. Sarah Vance is our guest. The Michael Duke Show. We're continuing. Please like and share, like and follow, subscribe on YouTube and ring the bell. If you haven't gotten on YouTube yet and and liked and followed the show or subscribed and click the little bell to get notifications, why not? Please, don't you like me? I feel bad about it. All right, let's get it to. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. It's a pinch. I mean, depends on how big your hands are, right? I mean, my I got a big pit. Anyway, welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show. Entertainment, education, enlightenment. It's the three E's. It's what we do every day or try to do here on the program. Continuing now, our final segment with Sarah Vance, representative from the peninsula, talking about the last days of the session. Um, Sarah, we just got the word late yesterday. The Senate has produced their budget. It hasn't been voted on yet, but we see what's coming out of committee. 
and we see some big increases. They went from $500 to $680 or $670 on the BSA increase. Uh, they've they've you know paid money to the seafood industry and to the tourism industry to promote their stuff. They found dollars for all their pet projects. And in the end, the way that they paid for it all was that they cut the dividend and taxed Alaskans because that's what it is. It's a tax. If you take money that was intended for the people and you take it before they receive it, just like in your paycheck, it's a withholding tax. They've withheld that money and they've decided that they know better than us how to spend it. The house was pretty clear. $2,700 was the compromise position. We will compromise with you and come, you know, kind of come off that full PFD thing to the Hammond 50-50 deal, but that's it. And they, of course, then moved the goalposts and said, oh, well, you're willing to come to 50-50, then 75-25 is not much of a stretch. Now you got to meet us here, which has always been their ruse in the end. And so here you have a Senate bill, which I'm assuming is going to pass pretty close to what we have right now. And they're going to come back and say, no, $1,300, that's what it's going to do so we can pay for all this stuff. What, as a member of the majority and, and you know, kind of privy and talking to the leadership and everything, what are you guys going to do? I mean, what's going on? I mean, are you guys are you guys locked in on this stance? Tell me what uh, what your thoughts are as you look at this budget coming out of the Senate. Well, I can tell you what I personally feel, not what my not what leadership or the majority feels, because it's always a moving target, especially at this end. And when, as you know, when we go to conference committee, everything's on the table pretty much and, and a lot changes. So for myself, I made it very clear when I voted for the for the budget and the CBR, I said, look, I'm only giving this vote because I want a full fiscal plan. And uh, it doesn't look like that that's going to happen because all they're talking about is taxes, 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 taxes. No, that's not a, that's not what a fiscal plan is. And um, I don't want taxes and I won't vote for an income tax. Uh, and it it's looking like that uh, they they may not get my vote because if if they're not serious, then I'm not moving off of my full PFD um, position because, like you said, it's taxing the people. You know, I see Politidic is saying that my words are hollow. Well, you know what? This is that first budget vote is a negotiating piece. Are they are they truly looking to the long term future to do what's right for Alaskans? Because let me tell you, they are taking the dividend they have for the past what six, seven years, and it's getting smaller and smaller. They're using the money from the earnings reserve. They're, they've almost used the money from our constitutional budget reserve, our savings account. It is the plan to squeeze out every last drop to say, oh, we just don't, we can't afford a dividend. You've heard them saying it for the past several years. Without a fiscal plan, there will be no dividend. So my grand compromise is a 50-50 with a good fiscal plan, one that builds the economy because my predecessor had a fiscal plan, but it just took from the people and right. Right. But I want one that builds the economy. That's actually going to put more money back in your hands 
and provide us a future. And so that's the distinction. Yeah, and your fiscal plan includes the things that we've talked about with the Fiscal Policy Working Group and Ben Carpenter. It's got to have a spending cap. It's got to have a protected PFD. It's got to it has have, to make cuts. Has to make cuts. Has to have an oil oil tax change. Has to have a some form of new revenues come in. I mean, it's a comprehensive. It's not nothing stands alone. It all has to be part and parcel. And unfortunately, we're not seeing a lot of appetite for that on the Senate side at all. They don't seem interested. They want to do business as usual, uh, it seems like, which is just take from the people, spend what they want, and damn the consequences in the next three or four years. Yeah, this is essentially a poker game right now. And uh, that's what people have to keep in mind. You know, there's there's some people, you know, that are saying, oh, no, she's lying. Well, you know, have you played poker before? Because the Senate, the Senate is no joke. We've seen what they do over and over again. And the question is, uh, will the House majority, you know, stand together and say, no, we're not playing this game. You've taken, you, you know, you continue to take from the dividend and distribute it to education and everything else, which, hey, they have needs, but so do the people. And that's that's a big struggle. But I think most most people are wanting us to solve this fiscal problem and and provide that stability. And that's what we're after. Uh, in this session. This whole thing could lead to, well, it could lead, you said it's a poker game. It could lead to a showdown. It could lead to a showdown at the end where we've got a question of a full PFD or 50-50 PFD versus their half PFD, uh, where we've got questions on a full fiscal plan and everything else. Uh, and this could whittle it out into June 30th, which would, again, put us on the government shutdown. And we already know that the news media is not going to treat the House majority I mean, when you were the minority, they blamed you. They'll definitely blame you now that you're the majority. Um, so it's going to be a huge spotlight. But this is that's how far it could go. It could come to a threat of we're not going to stay. We're not going to move off our position here. And you guys got to do something. And uh, that 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 could be ugly. Yeah, you have to think about what you really want. And what I encourage everyone right now is um, to talk to your legislator and 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 get get the word from them directly of what's going on because the media isn't telling you. I'll I'll just flat out no shock. You know, spoiler alert, they're not telling you what's really happening. Uh so go ahead and I encourage you the best thing you can do is talk to your representative and say what's going on. Tell me, tell me where you're at with this. And uh that that's the best thing that you can do right now in this end game is is um Hold on, you know, pray for us. We need wisdom and strategy on this because uh, this is the closest that we've been to a fiscal plan, but it feels so far away right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, even Carpenter acknowledged that the chances of it getting through in this half of the session is pretty slim, but at least we can get some components through maybe. Uh, walk me through. We got three minutes here. Walk me through the last uh, 20 days. What do you see happening? What do you encourage people to do? Give me give me your thoughts here. I see a lot of pieces moving at the end. It always does. It will uh, go fast, 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 and then really slow. So uh, your letters of support or opposition, the emails, are making a difference. They are instrumental to some of these bills. And uh, the media isn't talking about that, but I'm hearing from different chairmen on um, the bills, 99, 105, the printer rights bill, uh, repeal of ranked choice voting, all of that goes into the legislative record. When you email those committees, it really does make a difference. And I don't think you hear that enough uh, that 
it does matter when you when you email us and and you call in for public testimony. I know a lot of you are working and don't have time for that. Yay, uh, <laughs> that you're working. We yeah. we know that we appreciate that. But uh, Ben Carpenter needs to hear from you on the fiscal plan and uh, the full fiscal plan. Don't don't just focus on taxes, folks. Come right. on, look at the full picture and and listen to what he's saying of what that means because. Um, it's going to take a whole package, which is uncomfortable, but listen to what he believes will be the end game. I, I think it's important. I think it's interesting because, again, we see a lot of these committees, several of the chairs have moved the committee meetings to the evening so people can participate more, which I sincerely appreciate. Uh, but, I mean, you know, people are waiting three, four hours to be able to testify, whereas you can send off a bunch of emails on a variety of subjects to different committee chairs and still have it be in the record. May not be as powerful on as the at the moment as, you know, testifying in person, but if you don't have three or four hours to burn, there you go. Send an email. Make it happen. Uh, Sarah Vance, final thoughts here. 45 seconds. Well, I just want to thank everyone for speaking up, calling in. You know, some of you have heard wait four or five hours on the line. I tell you, we appreciate that. We can't do this without you. I tell you that every time because it's sincere. When we hear from you, when you call our offices and say, man, you're doing a great job. That completely transforms our day and puts the wind in our sails again. So I just want to say how much I pre appreciate everyone in your engagement because it really does matter and keeps us going in this fight. Well, you are doing a great job. To you and all your staffers and everything else who are listening voluntarily, thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Sarah Vance, thank you so much. We are out of time for today, folks. Be kind, love one another, live well. We'll see you tomorrow for Firearms Friday. You know what really toasted my cookies um was that i heard that on some of these bills people were waiting online for three or four hours and yet when people showed up in person at juno they were offered a spot in the testimony line immediately they were like jumping the line because they were there in person to me <clears throat> i mean if i've been waiting on hold for two and a half hours and somebody wanders into the room and gets ahead of me oh my god my eyeballs shoot out of my head they should have to wait just they should go right to the back of the queue but this, again, is another argument for moving the legislative session onto the road system. If if I can show up in the meeting and get, I mean, I could show up and within 30 minutes get my testimony done and read and I can leave, that makes a lot of sense to me. So there is a traditional protocol. It hasn't exactly been followed as much this year because we have, you know, new chairman. But traditionally, we take the people in the room first. Because you if you have come to Juno, hey, we want to give you honor that that you showed up in person because some people do and it's it's really fantastic. Then we go to the LIOs and for public testimony, they're encouraging people to go to the LIO because it's on one phone line that the people in that LIO um, can get preference and it frees up the other lines. We only have 90 phone lines available and that's why they've gotten so clogged is because we'd have hundreds of people call. Right. If we add phone lines, you're only going to wait longer. Yeah. So. It, and it would cost us more. So um, we we appreciate calling, but if you can go into your legislative information office to testify, that helps. Uh, so the, the priority is people in the room, the LIOs, and then the phones. And what they're encouraging us to do, if we know that there's going to be a big public testimony, is to se separate it by region. So if you can pay attention to when your region is going to have testimony provided, then 
there's a higher likelihood that you'll be heard quicker. Right. So we're trying to be more organized about it because man, it just, we hate it that you have to wait well, on the lines too and long, wh- but and while I, that's a commitment. While I appreciate that, I think it still goes back to my point of, boy, we really need the legislative system on the road, uh, uh, legislative uh, sessions on the road system so that we can drive down there and be part of that prioritized group of people who are in the room. Absolutely. I, I believe that 100%. Sarah, I'll give you the final thoughts here, your chance to sound off, uh, and uh, anything that we missed or uh, that we didn't get to, we'd love to hear what you have to say here. Well, I tell you, there's there's so much going on, and uh, you can call my office and be a part of my newsletter. I'm trying to put that out every couple of weeks, and um, my Facebook page, Rep Sarah Vance, You know, I post some of the stuff that I'm doing on there just to keep people up to date. Love to hear from you email, call my office. Some of you have my phone number. You can text me and just say, Hey, what's up? You know? So I appreciate that and missing everybody back home, but about less than a month we're, we're getting close and I'll be able to be home and see everybody. Less than three weeks. I mean, it's really, we got to get some work done unless of course we run up against that uh, loggerhead thing. Uh, it could be special session time this year. I don't know. Well, you're going to have to, I mean, nobody wants it, but at the same time, Man, we got to stand strong on this. If we blink this time, they'll know that from now on we'll always compromise. It won't be 75-25. It'll be 90-10. It'll be 95-5. It'll be 100% going to the government if we don't take a stand now. Sarah, thank you so much uh, for being part of it today. We appreciate it. Good luck. You're doing great. Keep up the good work. And we'll check back in with you here in a couple weeks. Thanks for being part of it today. All right. We'll see you later, folks. That about does it for me today. I am uh, ready to pull the plug and head out to do the rest of the day's worth of work. Thanks for coming on board. We appreciate you. Please like and share the shows. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on CastBox, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. You'll You'll get the podcast directly after the show every day. Thanks for coming in and joining us. It is The Michael Duke Show. Tomorrow is TGIFF Firearms Friday. We will see you tomorrow, my friends. Have a great day.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 